You're listening to The Power to Change, a sermon series about five words that have the power to change our lives. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. All right, how are we doing, Elevate? We're doing good? Yeah? Glad to be here. Hey, look at the person sitting next to you and tell them, you know what, you usually would shake their hand. But you don't want to get the flu, right? That bird flu's going on. Give them an elbow bump, right? Just don't hit them in the face with it. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews, one of the pastors here, and I am so glad that you are joining us. Y'all are here, right? Okay. All right. Just making sure. But we are in a series that we have titled The Power to Change, The Power to Change. Uh, You know, we've been talking about a lot of people say, hey, I want this year to be different. I want some change to happen in my life. And people make New Year's resolutions. People say, you know what, this year I'm going to start eating smaller portions. Anybody say something like that? I'm going to start eating smaller portions of cake and ice cream. I'm not going to eat the big portions anymore. Hey, I want to get in shape. I want to I want to get out of debt. People a lot of times they use the new year to kind of jump start the kind of change that they want in their life. And so here's the deal. We live in a world and in this world that we live in, there are sometimes some words that we hear. And it doesn't matter what time of year that you hear them. It doesn't matter what season of your life that you hear them. It doesn't matter what day that you hear these words. There really are some words that we hear that have the power to change us. For example, how many of you guys really do? You like to eat. I like to eat. And a couple of us, I love to eat. Um, and so a week or so ago, I decided we was going to take the family to the new steak and shake in Pearl, Mississippi. Anybody been there yet? Yeah. So I am from Pearl and uh, I'm, I'm so proud of that, that place that's grown up, you know, and uh, it really didn't happen until I left. So it kind of makes me wonder if I was one holding the city back, you know, uh, but we got this steak and shake. And so we get there and man, it is packed. There is like a line to get into the parking lot, cars everywhere, cars trying to go through the drive through park cars that are waiting to get parked. There are people standing in line inside. There are people standing outside in line. There are people sitting down outside. And so we wanted to go there. So I go in and I give the lady that's working at the little, you know, what do you call it? Hostess. That's what she's called. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so I give her my name and uh, she says, it's going to be about a 20 minute wait. And I'm like, okay, that'll be fine. So we really wanted to eat there. But I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but 20 minutes might not sound like a long time. But when you're hungry and someone says 20 minutes, it seems like 20 years, right? And so we're sitting there and I'm looking, we're outside, I'm I'm looking inside at all these people and, you know, I'm looking at these people eating their juicy, delicious steak burgers, you know, like cheese and sauces dripping down. I'm looking at the Cajun fries, you know, and people are dipping them in their cheese and I'm looking at people, you know, and they're sipping on their miraculous milkshakes and things like that. I'm, I'm living vicariously. That's a big word for somebody from Pearl, right? Uh, but I'm living vicariously through those people as they, as they dip their fries and eat them. And so I'm sitting there waiting and it's like, man, I'm so hungry. My stomach, it begins to like growl. It's turning and it starts to kind of eat itself. And in my mind, I'm thinking they forgot about us. They forgot about us. We're never going to get our table, but then it happens. Then I hear the word. I hear, I hear the word. And the word that I hear is Andrews. 
Andrews, your table is ready. And you know what happens to me when I hear that word? I change, right? I'm all smiles. You know what I'm saying? I'm excited. I'm standing up. It's our table. Let's go. And I'm walking by everybody else who's waiting, you know, like I've won the lottery. It's my turn to go in there and eat. I mean, but again, there are words when you hear them that change you. When I heard my name, it just changed the way that I felt. It changed everything that was going on around me. And so that's what we're doing. We're looking at words that have the power to change us. Last week, we looked at the word now. We talked about how now is the time to live for Christ. Today is the day of salvation. Don't put off living for Christ until tomorrow. Why? Because tomorrow may never come. We talked about how it's important for us now to live in community. There is power in living in community. And so the word that I want to talk to you guys about today is the word no. Everybody say no. No. How many of you guys like to hear the word no? Anybody? Nobody really likes to hear that word. Did I get the promotion? No. Nobody likes to hear that. Do, uh, do, do you like my haircut? No, nobody likes to hear that. Do these jeans make me look good? No, will you marry me? No, I mean, people don't want to hear that word. No, they don't want to hear that word. But what's interesting is that there was a time in your life when that was your favorite word. There was a time in your life where you loved to use that word, and that time in your life was when you were two years old. And your parents would tell you, hey, you need to be nice to your sister. And what would you say? You need to eat your broccoli. And what would you say? You know, some people say, yes, y'all weird, man. I know most people say, no, you know what I mean? You need to eat your vegetables. And people would say, no, you need to share your toys. You need to go to bed. I mean, I don't know what it, why it is, man, but at our house, I got kids. And every time, it's, every night when it's bedtime, it's like there's this hostage negotiation that takes place. You know what I'm saying? I'll, I'll look at the kids and I'm like, you got to go to bed now go to bed. And so they'll say, just let us have five more minutes of watching videos. And I'll say, okay, five more minutes, but then you got to go to bed. Five minutes is up. It's time to go to bed. But, but, but dad, you know, I need to go to the bathroom. Are you serious? So I'm like, okay, go. And then they're like, okay, now it's time to go. Now it's time to go to bed, but I'm thirsty, dad. And I'm like, are you really thirsty? No, go to bed. And she's like, well, what if I die of thirst? And when you feel bad, all right, go get something to drink and then go to bed. It's time to go to bed. And then she's like, no, I'm like, dad, will you just read me a story? You know, there are times where I'm trying to put Sadie Kate in bed and it's like 830. And then I look at my clock and it's 1030. And I'm like, how are we still playing with Littlest Pet Shops? What is going on? You know what I'm saying? But that word, that word, no. Again, that word no, at one time it was your favorite word. It really was. And that word no is very important. It really is. The word no has the power to transform your life. That's if you say no to the things that you need to say no to. It really is. You see, here's, here's, maybe you're wondering today, well, why in the world should I say no to things? Well, well here's, here's why. Because when human beings are left to their own, when you and I as people are left on our own, you know, we have this tendency to really spiral downward. We really, we really, we really do. Think about this. We're in church. I need you to be honest. But how many of you in here would just be honest and admit that at one point in your life you lied about something? Right? A lot of us have our hands up. If you're not raising your hand, you are a liar, okay? <laughs> what about this? What about this? How many of you guys have ever stolen something? Maybe it was a pen. It was a cookie, a piece of candy. You saw something, you wanted it, and so you took it. It wasn't yours, right? Look at that. We are a bunch of liars and thieves at Elevate Church. Huh? Welcome to Elevate. I want to make you feel good about yourself. You might want to check and make sure your purse or your wallet is still with you, okay? 
But anyway, you know what I'm saying? We, we all, again, we all left on our own to pursue the desires of our hearts. We have this natural tendency to spiral downward. Why? Because we're all sinners. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3, verse 10, the Bible says, It is written, there is none righteous, no, not even one, left on our own to pursue our own desires. Again, we just have this tendency to go down a very, very dark road. And so look at what Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 19 says. Verse 9 says, it says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? See, over time, when you and I continually say yes to things that we don't need to say yes to, what I want you to understand is that you create enormous problems for yourself and for the people around you. So there is incredible power that is unleashed again when you and I say no. There is incredible power when we say no to the things that we need to say no to. So how many of you have heard about a guy by the name of Daniel in the Bible? You've heard about a guy by the name of Daniel in the Bible, Daniel and the lion's den. Well, Daniel was taken from his homeland against his own will. And so he is hauled off to Babylon. And when he gets to Babylon, uh, he is surrounded by this incredibly pagan society, this secular society. And, And society tried to get him to erase and replace his religious fault, his religious way of thinking. And that's exactly what happens to people in our world today. When our teens grow up, when our kids grow up, they are surrounded by a secular society and a society that tries to get them to erase their thinking about God and the things of God and replace it with, again, things that are are not good for them. And so the Babylonians, they tried to, to get Daniel to forget about God and the things of God. And Daniel, as a teenager, when this is happening, he has the guts to say no. I want you to see it. It's in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. Here's what the Bible says. It says, Daniel determined that he would not defile himself. Do you see that? Daniel had the guts to say no. Daniel had the guts to say no. And because he said no, Daniel had the blessing of God on his life. Because he said no, Daniel earned the respect of everyone around him. And the same is true for you and the same is true for me. If we'll say no to the things that God wants us to say no to, I promise you, you will have the blessing of God on your life. And if you say no to the things that God wants you to say no to, I promise you will eventually earn the respect of the people people around you. And because Daniel says no, what I want you to see is that the life of the king, a secular king, he comes to faith in God and he changes an entire nation because he said no. So there are some things in this world, again, that you and I need to say no to. In fact, we need to do better than just say no to. We need to say, I never will. I never will. Will. See, again, it's 2018, the start of a new year. And if you want to walk with God, if you want your life to change, if you want to live a life that honors God today, I want you to see that you and I need to commit to four things. We need to say, we're never going to do these things. We need to commit to four things. If you're keeping notes, you want to write them down. Four things to commit to. The first one is this never stop growing. Never stop growing. What do I mean by that? Well, hopefully you know that it is good 
to grow. It, it really is. Um, many, of, many of you know that uh, our family, my family, has grown uh, here recently. Uh, for a while, for the longest time, it was Amanda and myself and Brianna Grace and Sadie Kate. And so I was really outnumbered, you know, there was a lot of girls in the house. And so now uh, God has blessed us and given us a son, Lost in Cruz. And uh, man, he, he's beautiful just like me, okay? And so I like that things are kind of leveling out there in the house. Uh, but Amanda, he's growing. And so Amanda will look at clothes that he might have worn last week that he can't wear anymore this week. And she'll look at those clothes and she'll say, he is so cute, and he wore this. Oh, I need to just keep it. Any mothers, you know what I'm talking about? Do y'all say that kind of stuff, right? And so she's like, she'll say, I just wish he would stay this way forever. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't wish that at all, okay? <laughs> I, I want him to grow. Why? Because diapers are expensive. I don't know if y'all know this or not. I'm, not. I'm not trying. I want him to be potty trained. You know what I'm saying? I want him to be able to talk so that he can tell me what's wrong instead of just crying. You know what I'm saying? I want him to grow. I want him to get a job so he can take care of me. You know what I'm saying? I, I want him to grow. Seriously, if he stayed the same as he is right now for 20 years, that wouldn't be normal, right? It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be normal. But in the church, it's become normal for Christians never to grow spiritually. It's become normal. See, see I care about your growth. I think about your spiritual growth all the time. I, I wonder, hey, are, are the people that I pastor, are they growing spiritually? Are they obeying the word of God? Are they falling in love with the word of God? Are they representing God in a way that's Christ honoring, that's God honoring? Are they representing Christ in a way that's going to point others back to God and his goodness? I think about those things all the time. And the reason why is because I will stand in front of God and I'll have to, I'll have to give an answer as to the way I led the church. Anybody else want to do that? Man, that's kind of a lot going on. And so I'm like, I really do. I think about your growth all the time. And one of the things that has always bothered me, I've been in ministry now for 18 years, and there are some Christians who are adults. They have reached the age of adulthood, but they are still kids. They're still kids. They aren't growing. It blows my mind that there are some people who have attended church for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and they're still what I like to call the, the five C people. They might know about the five C people. No, Pastor, what, what are the five C people? Well, they're, they're people who are critical, conceited, crabby, uh, crusty, and crazy. You know what I'm saying? Anybody know a five C person? If you're sitting next to them, don't point, okay? We don't want to start no fight up in here. Just smile. Hey, it's good to see you today, right? But there are people, again, who have been in church for so long and they're still like that. I wonder in my mind, how in the world do you sit and hear that much Bible teaching? How in the world do you sit and hear that many sermons? How in the world do you sit and have all that spiritual nutrition that's given to you and never grow spiritually when people are like that? It's crazy. So what causes people not to grow? What causes them not to grow? Well, I want to I want to show you, you got to see this, these verses, and I'm about to show you some of the most depressing verses in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 11, verses 31 through 32, check this out. The Bible says that Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, Haran's son, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and they set out together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. Now, where are they going? Land of Canaan. They knew where they were going, right? 
What is the land of Canaan? It's the promised land. Okay, in other words, it's where God wants them to be. It's where God wants them to be. It's the kind of person that God wants you to be. It's the kind of, it's the kind of life that God wants you to have. They know that that is where God's going to bless us. So they say, hey, let's go, let's go there. They set out and they start going to Canaan where God wants them to go. But watch this. This is the most depressing part. It says they're going out. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. They what? They settled there. They settled for a life that was less than what God wanted for them. They settled for a life that was less than God's call on their life. They settled. And you know what the real problem with this is? Is that Terah had all the time in the world to get there. What does the Bible say? It says Terah lived 205 years and he died. Where? In Haran. 205 years. See, this is unbelievable. This is a man who settled for, again, less than what God wanted for his life. And for 150 years at least, he never grew. He never moved. He never changed. And you might not like this, but it's still true. Here's what I want you to know today. You are as close to Jesus Christ as you want to be. You are. You're as close to Christ as you want to be because God tells us, hey, if you want to find God, seek him with all your heart. You have to choose to grow. You are as close to God as you want to be. Don't blame your mom. Don't blame your dad. Don't blame your husband. Don't blame your wife. Don't blame your friend. Don't blame your enemy for where you are spiritually. You are as close to God as you choose to be. Your spiritual growth will stop when you decide, just like Tara did, when you decide to stop and settle. So I'm here today to tell you, don't settle. Don't settle for a mediocre relationship with Christ. Don't settle for a life of spiritual ignorance. Decide every day, I'm going to draw closer and closer to God. Don't settle. See, one of the things, again, that you and I need to commit to in 2018 is that we're never going to stop growing. The second thing, if you're taking notes, you want to write it down, is this. You and I need to commit to never stop caring. Never stop caring. Take a look at this verse in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 21. Here's what the Bible says. It says, do not be overcome by evil, but conquer evil with good. Now, I want to keep that verse up there for just a second because I want you to see that it is two. Fold, okay, it's twofold. When it says, do not be overcome by evil, you know what the Bible's talking about there? It's talking about character. It's talking about character. Don't be overcome by evil. Be a person of character, okay? But then it says, but overcome evil with good. What's that talking about? It's talking about compassion. Don't just say, hey, I wish things would change. I can't believe this is going on. Don't be overcome with evil. It says, but overcome evil with good. Do something about the evil that is going on. So it's talking about character and compassion. The problem in most churches and with most church people is they have a hard time putting character and compassion together and practicing those things at the same time. See, there are some people who are such people of character that they're toxic. I'm serious. There are some people who say, well, you know what? I, I never watch a rated R movie. Never. 
It's so ungodly. I never listen to secular music, especially country, because you should never listen to that. Really, you shouldn't. But anyway, I never, I never do those things. And what happens is those people who have such great character and such high standards, what happens is those individuals can start to become very judgmental of people who might live a little differently than them. But then on the other hand, you have some people who don't have good character and all they want to do is show compassion. Hey, well, it doesn't matter what they're doing. Let's just love them. It doesn't matter what we're doing. Let's just love one another. Let's be people of compassion. No, the Bible tells us, again, to put these two things together. Put these two things together. Don't have character and not compassion and don't have compassion and not character Put those two together, have them both at the same time. And if we can determine to be people of character and people of compassion at the same time, I promise you a revolution will start in this community and in our city and people will see, wow. They will say, wow, they actually practice what they preach. Wow, they actually believe what they say they claim, what they say they believe. Look at what happened in, in, the, in, the, in the church in, in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2. The Bible says this in verse 46. It says, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex. What they are doing right there, you need to understand, is they are committing to become people of character. We're going to learn what's right. We're going to learn what's wrong. They are devoting themselves to meeting together in the temple complex. And it doesn't stop there. It says they broke bread from house to house. They actually cared for one another. They actually cared for the people that were around them. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude praising God and having favor with all people. And I want you to see what happened as a result of these people putting character and compassion together. Look what the Bible says. It says, and every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. You see what happened? The church grew. People were reached with the good news. People came to know Christ, and I promise you, I promise you that if you and I will commit to being people of character and people of compassion, the same thing will happen right here. It will. So what do we commit to? We commit to saying, hey, you know what? I'm never going to stop growing. We commit to saying, hey, you know what? I'm never going to stop caring. The third thing, if you're taking notes, you want to write it down, that we need to commit to is this. We need to commit to never get distracted. Never get distracted. I tried to trick y'all, see y'all get y'all to look back there, but y'all didn't get distracted. Y'all did good, yeah. Anyway, how many of y'all just admit, though, that you get distracted easily? I think most of us really do. Y'all really did a good job. I thought people were going to be, what's going on back there? You know, so anyway, y'all didn't do it. But, uh, but, 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 but again, we are, we really do. We get, we get easily distracted. How many of you have ever been distracted while you were driving? Get off the cell phone, Okay. Get off the cell phone. But, but uh, I, I remember years ago, Amanda had a yellow Mustang, and I loved that Mustang, man. It was fine. We put exhaust on that thing. We put ground effects on that thing. We put some Cobra wheels on that thing. We were riding around. You know, it was nice. And so one day, Amanda, she's driving that Mustang, man. She's driving that Mustang. I told this story before. Uh, but she looks over there, and there's a spider in her car with her. Now, if it was me, I'd have been freaking out trying to figure out how to kill that thing while I'm driving, swinging, just, you know, get away from me in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you. That's what I'd have been saying, all sorts of stuff. But Amanda, you know what she did? She starts talking to this spider. I don't know if she thought it was Charlotte from Charlotte's Web. I, I really don't know. 
But she's like, oh, little buddy, what are you doing in here? You got to be so scared. And that little spider looked at her, bleak, 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 you know, probably. And so she's like, let me try to save you and get you out of here. And so she's, what should she be doing right now? Driving. She should be running too, you know. She's driving. And so she gets distracted. And you know what happens? She, she trying to save the spider and she gets distracted and she takes out a mailbox, man. I just want you to know that when you get distracted, bad things happen. Peter learned this the hard way. See, you and I are supposed to keep our attention and keep our focus on who? On Jesus Christ. Well, watch what happens to Peter. Peter and the disciples, one day they're out on the boat. It's the middle of the night, man. The storm rolls up on them while they're on the boat. There's lightning everywhere. There's wind. There's waves. And man, I can imagine they look out and they see Jesus walking towards them. And again, the lightning is flashing. And you know, I can imagine that it makes Jesus kind of look like the Terminator just walking towards them on the water and they're freaking out. And so Jesus has to calm them down. And Jesus is like, hey man, calm down. It's me. And here's what happens. Peter's like, Peter's like, uh, Lord, in verse 28 of Matthew chapter 14, he says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus says, come. And the Bible says that he climbs out of the boat. Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. So far, so good, right? So far, so good. Peter's focusing on Jesus, man. He's walking on water. Things are good. But look at verse 30. It says, but when he saw the strength of the wind, when he gets his eyes off of Jesus, when he starts to focus on his problems instead of Jesus, when he got distracted, what, what does the Bible say? It says that he was afraid. Again, don't miss this. The minute that Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and began to focus on his problems, it wrecked him. It overwhelmed him. His emotional state changed when he took his eyes off of Jesus and put them on his problems. And so he begins to be filled with fear, and the Bible says, and beginning to sink. He started to sink. He started to go down. And I want you to know today that every time, every time you get distracted from Jesus, your life will start to go downward. It will. So don't let that happen to you. See, you may be here today and you think, you know, this is my year. I'm going to focus on Christ. I'm not going to get distracted. I can promise you, if you say that, storms are going to come. And there's going to be heavy rain and wind. And the waves are going to be rough, I promise you. But don't get distracted. See, sometimes when we get distracted, it's not that we get distracted and start doing bad things. It's we get distracted and just stop doing the good things. It's not that we get distracted and do bad things. It's that we get distracted and stop doing the things that we should be doing. And here's what I want you to understand is that Satan doesn't mind if you're not doing bad things while you're distracted because he knows that as long as you're distracted, you're not doing the things that God wants you to. And you're not focusing on that relationship with God like you should. And so you and I need to make the decision today that you know what? I'm not going to get distracted. This year, I'm never going to get distracted. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to keep my eyes on him. I'm going to keep my focus on him. I'll keep my eyes on Jesus during the storms of life and also in my life when everything's going well. I'm going to be focused 
focused on him. I'm not going to be distracted by what the world throws at me. That's something we need to commit to. So not only do we say, hey, you know what? I'm never going to stop growing. Not only do we need to say I'm never going to stop caring. Not only do we need to say that I'm never going to get distracted. The fourth thing that I want you to see that you and I need to commit to is this. We need to say that we'll never lose our passion. Our, we'll never lose our passion. Never lose your passion. Passion. See, see, the truth is that there are some people here today. There are some people here today and, and you've been beat up. There are some people here today and, and you are discouraged. You are burdened. And God has brought you here today because he wants to lift you up. Because he wants to encourage you. Because he wants to give you your passion back. He wants to give you your hope back. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 11. The Bible says this, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. You know what that's saying? Do you know what that's saying? Do you know what zeal is? Zeal means great energy or great enthusiasm. Never be lacking in great energy and great enthusiasm. But Robert, I got kids. I haven't slept through the night in three years straight. Anybody been there? You know what I'm talking about? He said, I don't have any energy. I don't have any enthusiasm. Look, I know that each and every one of us, there are times in our life where we do. We get, we get tired. But in the Old Testament, after the Israelites have crossed the Red Sea, we talked about this last week. They crossed the Red Sea. They know where they're supposed to be going. They're supposed to be going where? To the promised land. And what happens is before they go into the promised land, they decide they're going to send 12 spies out to kind of check out the land, see what's going on. So 12 spies go out, and they all come back to kind of tell people uh, how everything looked. And 10 of the 12 spies, they come back, and they're like, bruh, the people who live in that land, man, they're, they're big. They're tall. They're muscular. They almost look like Robert Andrews. If I was reading it, that's, you know, that's how I could see. But they're like, man, we, we can't go in there. They're like, those people are so big, we actually look like grasshoppers compared to them. Man, do you know how big those people would have to be for them really to look like grasshoppers? But that's what they say. We look like grasshoppers to them. Ten of the 12 spies are like, man, we need to stay here. We just need to be content. We need to settle here. Let's settle for less than what God has for us. Ten people want to settle. Only two of the 12 say, hey, we need to go and take the land. God is with us. Let's continue to grow. Let's continue to move forward. Only two of the 12 say that. And so what they do is they decide to take a vote. And the entire nation of Israel decides to stay right where they are because they listen to the 10 other individuals who said, hey, we just need to stay here. And so God says, well, you know what? If, if those people want to stay here, they'll die here. The only two people who I'm going to allow to go into the promised land who remain among these people are the two who came back with a positive report, and their names are Joshua and Caleb. And 40 years pass, just like God said, and everyone dies. Everyone dies, and the Israelites, the new Israelites, people who have been born, the people who have grown up, they start to take possession of the promised land that God has for them. It's a five-year process. It's hard. There are battles. There are struggles. But at the end of the five years, you got to listen to the words of Caleb. you got to listen to the words of Caleb. you got to see this, and I'm wrapping up. Check this out. Joshua chapter 14, starting in verse 10. It's amazing. Again, this is... Caleb talking. He says, now then, 
just as the Lord promised. He has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. Do you notice that exclamation point? 85 years old. And this is a guy with great enthusiasm. This is a guy with great passion. He says, I'm still as strong today as the day that Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Man, this, is, this guy sounds like a redneck to me. I mean, he's saying, hey, them guys in them hills up there, they better be looking out because I'm coming, right? He probably spit tobacco, chew and stuff like that. But he's 85 years old, 85 years old. This is a man who, again, who has not lost his zeal. He has passion. And that's what Romans chapter 12, verse 11 tells you and tells me to do. It tells us to be like that. Never be lacking in zeal. Folks, this year, you and I need to be passionate about Christ. We need to be passionate about the one who gave his life for us, who died on Calvary's cross so that you and I might live eternally. We need to be passionate about him. Our response to Christ should be greater than a response that we give at a football game when our team scores a touchdown or wins the national championship. We should be passionate about Jesus. This year, you and I need to decide, you know what? We're going to charge hell with a a water pistol, man. We're not going to get distracted. We're not going to stop caring. We're never going to stop growing. We're never going to stop being the people that God has for us to be. Let's live our lives in such a way that when our feet hit the ground in the morning, the devil says, oh, no, they're up. They're up. That's how we should live. I'm telling you, this year can be a year of change for you. It can be a year of change for me. But it's going to require a commitment on your part. And seriously, these four things will bless every aspect of your life. Every relationship that you have. You want a better marriage? Never stop growing. Never stop caring. Never get distracted, especially by another individual. Never. Never lose your passion. Never. I'm telling you, if you and I will do these things, we'll be amazed at what God will do. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual life, but I know today, that there are some of us here who need to say, you know what? I'm never going to stop growing. I'm never going to stop caring. I'm never going to get distracted. And I'm never going to lose my passion. See, maybe you're here today and the first step for you in being able to follow these four steps is to commit your life to Christ, to give him your heart. And so if you know today that you need to be saved, I'm gonna ask it right where you are that you pray. Father, today, I surrender to you. I commit my heart 
to you. I commit my life to you. Save me today from my sins and from myself. I confess you today as Lord and as my Savior. Send your Holy Spirit right now to fill my heart and my life. Make me into a new creation so that I can please you in this life. Thank you for saving me. Again, with every head bow, every eye closed. I just wonder today that if you're here and you prayed that prayer, if you prayed to be saved today, I'm going to ask that right where you are, you just lift your hand just because I want to know. Amen. Father, thank you for moving. Thank you for saving people. Father, I just want to continue to pray for each person here that you would help us in 2018 to really commit to doing these things. Father, I know that you want to do so much in each and every one of our life. Father, you want to do so much at Elevate Church. And so, Father, I know that if we'll commit to these things, we'll be blown away by what you accomplished in us, through us, and for us. Thank you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. We'd like to thank you for listening and encourage you to visit our website at www.elevatechurch.ms so you can learn more about being blessed and blessing others at Elevate Church.